0: And welcome to episode 299 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fan's weekly podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and today we're here to talk about, uh, I, I think, one of the most demanded games that we record for the podcast over the past year two years or so uh this is a very popular game both among rpg fan staff and among our listenership it is shin megami tensei 3 nocturne not the first shin megami tensei game we've uh, talked about on the podcast but maybe one of the most important and high profile ones but who's here to talk about nocturne with me two others starting with west island hi there and zach wilkerson hello Zach and Wes, uh, I knew about Nocturne by reputation before I ever attempted to start playing it. Uh, it, it was a PlayStation 2 game that came out in, I, th- I think, in Japan in 2002 and worldwide a year or so later. And uh, Atlas's PS2 oeuvre, most of it was made in Nocturne's image. Something like six or seven games really can claim Shin Miyamai Tensei 3 Nocturne in their DNA. Uh, yes. Maybe most prominently Persona 3 and Persona 4. So, uh, before I talk about my background with this, let's talk about our individual backgrounds with this game, uh, starting with you, Zach.
1: So I am a complete SMT noob. <laughs> um, I have wanted to play an SMT game for, I don't know, a long time. Uh, I've been aware of it. I've played um, Persona 4 and 5, and I've also played Innocent Sen, and honestly, Innocent Sin definitely feels the most SMT of the Persona games I've played um, by a pretty wide margin, honestly. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, I I feel like coming into it, like, I was aware of its difficulty, I knew about its difficulty, and it is not as hard as people have suggested it is, even though it's still a difficult game, but um, I, I feel like playing Persona and Dragon Quest previously... Makes me sort of prepared for what I was in store for, and I'm, I'm, you know, it's. I, I have some thoughts on it, but overall, I'm liking it so far.
0: And to be fair, when I said this game had a reputation, I wasn't necessarily referring to overall difficulty. Like I, I knew of this game of uh, for being unforgiving and for the hardcore only, and that a couple boss battles were super difficult. Uh, spec- the ones that I were told I was told of specifically being uh, Matador and Trumpeter, I think. Yeah, and I've and um for the podcast, I, I guess again I'm only about ten hours in or so. I have finished the first of those, and it mostly lived up to its reputation. But uh, before I go deeper into it, Wes, what's your background with Shin Megami Tensei?
2: Uh, I'm about as much of a of a core fan as exists in in America without you know importers or what have you. Um, th- but this was more or less my gateway. I rented uh. Uh, Persona 2: Eternal Punishment, which was the only game released in America at the time in the in the PS1 era, no, the, uh, And that the, was like my the, first exposure.
0: The, the first Persona came out in America as well.
2: <laughs> yes, um, by that I mean it, we didn't get Innocent Sin, so we got Part Two of the the Persona 2 duology.
0: That um, is true. Persona
2: One came out as Revelations Persona and changed uh, a whole lot, um, and and you know removed entire storylines. But uh, Nocturne was really the one that uh, I fired up and. You know, it all clicked with me and it, and it made me a proper fan of the series. Um, but I haven't played it uh, much since, you know, its initial release. So this has been a big game changer now that I'm a lot more uh, um,
1: versed in the series. Yeah, I mean, you even wrote um, our feature for the site about getting into the series. So. Sure did. It's awesome.
0: All right. Well, um my background with the series is... I mean, probably closer to noob than expert, but uh, but maybe in between uh, where the two of you are. I heard about SMT through websites like RPG Fan and RP Gamer, and and probably others in the early two thousands. I tried playing Persona uh, one and Persona two: Eternal Punishment in the early two thousands. I found them consume, uh, confusing, and. That made me like want to avoid Persona and SMT for many years. I, uh, I, I noticed uh, Nocturne's release, and along along with you know the uh, Noha games and uh, Persona three and four and Digital Devil Saga, I, 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 I like took note of them as each of them came out in North America. By because you know I was I was following uh, video games in general and RPGs in particular, but didn't really try any of them when they came out. But then I I finally sort of gave in. Tried Persona 3 around, uh, oh shoot, around 2011 or 2012. Really liked it, and that uh, piqued my interest in other SMT games. I bought a copy of Nocturne around then. Again, this would have been the early 2010s, but uh, didn't play it. Played Persona 3, Persona 4, the first Digital Devil Saga. Really liked all three of them. Uh, Played the very beginning of Nocturne probably three or four years ago. I think we were even considering doing it for the podcast, but it ended up losing a, a, a staff vote uh, quite a while ago, but uh, didn't really get around to it and make a sincere effort to play it until now. Um, I, again, I'm about 10 hours in. I am in Ikebukuro. I've I've beaten the Thor boss and I've just done a little bit of fusing, exploring, experimenting after that. So now I'm, I need to look for... Um, uh, I, th- I think it's, is it Tomoe Gozen. Uh, um, it's, Gozo it's, Tenno. Gozo Tenno. Yeah, that's it. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, Go- I mean, I'm I'm looking for Goze or Gozo Tenno right now, but I uh, will probably get back to that uh, a few hours after we're done with it with this recording. But that's our backgrounds with this. Let's get into the game proper. Uh, Shouldn't my Tensei Three Nocturne. It's the third. It's the third game in the SMT main series, but that game has had so many spin-offs and, <laughs> and offshoots outside of the main series that its true number is probably like I don't know ninth or tenth. Um, uh, Megami Tensei Without the Shin was two RPGs for the, uh, I believe, the Famicom and the, and the MSX in the late 80s, early 90s and they were ba- and they were based off of a popular science fiction novel in Japan. And then, and and they weren't even made by Atlas. They were, they were sort of. uh, uh, I think they were published by Namco, but then, uh, but then the first Atlas published games uh, game in the series was called Shin Megami Tensei, and between. Shin Megami Tensei One and Nocturne. There were multiple offshoot games, including Nine, which is a confusing numbering system, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and If, which is set, which is about high schoolers set in a school, and is sometimes called Persona Zero. Uh, as a result, um, If came out for the Super Famicom, mm-hmm. and the first three Persona games all uh, dropped on the PlayStation One before uh, Shin Megami Tensei Three Nocturne, and um, the, the version that all of us are playing is I uh, we, uh, are all of us playing the remaster or Wes, yeah. did you go back to ps2 yeah
2: I, I picked up the remaster uh, to catch up a little
1: bit quicker <laughs> i am also playing the remaster
0: as am I um, most even though I have it on ps2 mostly because i if there was a modern, modern amenity that could help me in this it uh that could help me play a game it, it's this game because again i I know of its reputation for being unforgiving but uh where was I uh, we're playing the remaster which means that we're we are technically playing the director's cut maniacs version because uh, the directors uh, uh, the original game uh, came out in Japan but uh, then it had a director's cut and the director's cut was the one released worldwide so uh, like a lot of people maybe imported the original so if you're playing with a guide it will even tell you which parts are exclusive to the maniacs version or not when I was when I was looking up some uh, demon evolution details. It was there was there was always a footnote here or there about uh things added to the Maniacs version, but if you're playing a North American copy of Shin Megami Tensei 3 in English, it is Maniacs. So most of the mega of the Shin Megami Tensei games are set basically in a post-apocalyptic Japan. Where the world is rapidly populated by demons after the apocalyptic event, and the main character uh, is has some dominion over demons, some special powers that they use to survive and navigate the new post-apocalyptic world. and uh, Nocturne is not an exception. Uh, you start out just exploring a a somewhat uh you know a somewhat simplified version of Tokyo. You have two friends named uh, Chiaki and Nita. And you're invited to visit your favorite teacher in the hospital, a teacher who has a weirdly close relationship to one of her students. (laughs) And uh, when you visit the hospital, there's a couple other people there, including a mysterious cult leader and and a magazine reporter. And while you're at the hospital, something crazy happens. The rest of the world is plunged into apocalypse. And when you exit the hospital, the only humans that are around are the other four people that were in the hospital with you. So, uh, Zach, you're again uh, close to being a, a nocturne noob like I am. What was your first impression going, uh, like after the first opening scenes of this game?
1: I, mean, I thought it was a really compelling opening. Um, you know, I, I I really wasn't sure what to expect. Like, I always know that like SMT games have a reputation for being dark and difficult, of course. But um, like this kind of opening, um, I thought was. Maybe the most compelling way you can open a video game like the world literally ends in your first like hour of playing um, and like it ends around you in a hospital. Um, and also, can I comment on the fact that, yes, that, that student teacher relationship is very strange to me. Um, as a teacher myself, I was like, what? No, absolutely not. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> Japanese I mean, fiction yeah. likes to
1: play around with this a little bit more than maybe I prefer. Uh, Trails yeah, of Cold Steel being the worst offender, but, uh. Um, oh, yeah. oh boy. Yeah, yeah, I, don't, I
0: don't know if this, know if this Trails of Cold Steel 3 or, uh, Fire fire Emblem Three Houses level of student-teacher shenanigans, but a- as a teacher, you wouldn't invite an individual student to visit you in the hospital, am I right?
1: Yeah, that is certainly correct. <laughs> That's a
0: good way to, like,
1: never be a teacher again. So, no thanks.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess I'm trying to think of other teachers in Persona games right now. There's the whole Snow Queen mon- nonsense in Persona 1, and then... There's a the stuff uh, in Persona yeah. Five too. Oh yeah, yeah there, there's is. teacher there's teacher stuff in Persona Five. There sure is, but we're not here to talk about either of those. Uh, um <laughs> Wes, what are your thoughts on the opening of the game and the the sort of the the mic drop of ending the world around forty five minutes in?
2: You know, I, I almost can't talk about it with going back in time to my first time playing it because you know there are games nowadays that you know you experience the end of the world, but before I'd played this it was like FF6 and that was about it. Um which made this a you know a wholly new experience and then even before that point, even before the world ends, this like creepy abandoned hospital that you're in where you get kind of drip fed clues that not everything's as it's supposed to be in this hospital almost feels like a horror game. Like if I close my eyes and listen, I feel like I'm playing a, Shin, or, uh, a Silent Hill game. Um, I also feel like I'm playing a Shin Megami Tensei game. I guess that goes without saying. Um, but it, it gives it this this atmosphere of foreboding before the world actually ends. And it's this really compelling setup to like, okay, if this is the start, where do we go from here? And the idea that you're rebuilding, that 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 you are going to be the one to guide this new world into whatever port it ends up in, is uh, is super compelling. And ever so slightly tweaked differently from the the Shin Megami Tensei games that came before, um, where you were more of a human participant and you dealt with um, you know the orders of law and chaos. Whereas in this one, you're dealing with specific reasons and and trying to figure out okay, what is the guiding moral principle that the world should should be renewed upon
0: right and it it doesn't get into the uh into the guiding principles stuff right at the beginning, but it's um yeah. it it it's it's made clear that uh at, like like when you meet the uh excuse me when when you meet the cult leader guy who's whose oh, his, name, his name escapes escapes me the the guy with you know the the sort of bad hair
2: <laughs> yeah I, Hika- I, I'm hikawa keep... that's
0: him hikawa yeah uh, when you meet Hikawa in the hospital like he's almost about to attack you until uh until you're stopped by uh again your favorite teacher and it it, it appears that uh, your teacher is a follower of Hikawa um Hikawa uh, run is the you know leader of a popular doomsday cult of sorts but then um th- when the apocalypse happens it's an event called the conception which is a sort of a a, a deliberate man-made end of the world And after the conception occurs, the uh, um, whomever is able to sort of eh, not exactly like whomever is able to sort of um, conquer the new uh, the newly ended world and sort of find the favor of Kagatsuchi and and gather as much um, uh, Magatsuchi is able to sort of uh, take control and reshape the world how they see fit. And uh, and and again, I, I haven't quite gotten here all the way. Although uh, I had to do a little bit of ba- background research for this, so please, Wes, if I'm wrong, correct me. Uh, <laughs> like, based on the player's choices, uh, they can sort of adopt a guiding principle called a, a capital R reason. And mm-hmm. depending on the reason you develop over the course of the game, will affect the game. Uh, will affect some end game bosses and the ending itself. Exactly yeah. what happens to the world after you, the player become the uh become the demi-fiend or like the 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 person who will become the architect of the new world but right now that architect has not been officially selected and there is uh the the, there is a survival of the fittest attitude of a world mostly populated by demons most of whom take the forms of uh of you know um non-human non-humans from various mythologies and because again, this is uh, something like the eighth, ninth, tenth game in the in the Megami Tensei Shin Megami Tensei series. There's uh, again, I mean, like anything in a long running series, there is there's a loaded nature to everything happening here. Happening here, like uh, it's it's not a coincidence that Thor, the thunder god of Norse myth, is working for uh for uh um, goes which is a sort of a a, a a, a sort of Buddhist coll- uh, collective uh, mythological figure from uh, from I, th- I think I think sort of Japanese Chinese and and Indian folklore. It, it's it, 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 it's it's weird to uh, to an outsider or someone playing their first SMT game that they'd be working together, but because this is SMT, like these these are sort of characters in their own right and not just ripped semi-randomly from myth uh yes like like what is what was your attitude or feeling of seeing all of these mythological deities interacting like is it does it seem strange does it seem like because it's it's not weird to me but it feels like i'm entering a conversation late and i'm and i don't totally understand everything happening around me is that is that That, fair
1: that is a great way of putting it um i I, the, the idea of like entering a conversation late and i feel like it's like a a particular kind of storytelling that most video games and honestly, most American fiction at least is not willing to engage with, um, that idea of like, Hey, you're just, we're just going to drop you into a world that exists already. Um, and, and it's weird that it exists already because you see the creation of that world. Um, but there are so many people who are vying for control of what the world is going to be, at least like up to the halfway point that I am. Um, that like seem to have a greater understanding of things than you do. And you're just like, sort of like, like talking to those people and like slowly unfurling layers of it. And and, uh, I, I, the the story here, I think maybe because like there aren't a lot of characters that I love um, is not incredibly compelling to me personally, but I think that is a really interesting way of telling the story. And I think that, you know, the, the way you put it, I think is perfect.
2: And it's it's interesting uh, as well, because it's not a game that's interested with maintaining a strict canon or like a a causal point of plot with its characters. It's more interested in those reasons or the morality or the uh, philosophical agreements that these mythical beings would theoretically have based on their history, based on their mythology. Um, So it cares a lot more about, okay, these two would work together because philosophically they might be on, on roughly the same wavelength, whether it's, you know, thor being you know something of a more survival of the fittest you know might makes right kind of character which makes sense looking at the mythology that he comes from so you're more informed by okay there's their background but as far as the events of their lives that doesn't really play into their part in this story it's more about okay who would they be mentally emotionally and and uh morally uh, and how do they fall in with you know the the different factions that we have available to
0: us and um i mean mentioning uh uh, f- factions and alignments, um, perhaps famously, almost every Shin Megami Tensei game has a law path and a chaos path, or an order mm. path and a chaos path, where that are, that represents sort of maybe two of the philosophies um, clashing here. I-, I know in Shin Megami yeah. Tensei 2, uh, I-, I believe that, the lo- that a lot of the order path was represented by Norse gods, and a lot of the chaos path was represented by Hindu gods. So a lot of the uh portrayals of the Norse and Hindu gods in future games including Nocturne sort of like originated from that one like uh, like mm-hmm. uh, the reason Odin appears as uh a purple man in a t- with a tunic and a spear in that specific way is because of his sprite from a from a Super Famicom game many years ago it, in, indirectly but in in, in Nocturne um you you learn very early that two of the sort of bodies of power here are the uh, the mantra army, which is the uh, which is the Gozinteno and Thor group, and then and the uh, is it the nihilo organization yeah.
2: nihilo. nihilo or nihilo or, or yeah. however it's pronounced
0: it's it's nihilism but make but my 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 Japanese pronunciation brain wants to say nihilo understandable uh, yeah the, the the nihilo is run by uh, Hikawa the uh, the. Um, the, the human cult leader that you meet early on in the game. And those two organizations are, are clashing because uh, Nihilo believes in a sort of a, uh, a in sort of a, uh, let's say an intellectual elegance and, um, and the mantra army believes in a might makes right. And when you are captured by the mantra uh, early in the game, after, uh, soon after visiting Ikebukuro, they make you sort of win a trial by combat to prove your innocence. Which, which you know, you do because you're you're a hell of a badass in this game. Um, <laughs> but and, and and then that's sort of where I am in the game now. I finished that trial of com- by combat. Now I'm looking for the uh, the uh, some more leadership within the mantra army. But Zach was mentioning not being able to connect to the characters in this game. There are a few characters in this game, but I think we already mentioned most of them. Pretty much. Which is. And uh, when you look at the other games that sort of followed Nocturne in the uh, Atlas PS2 lineage, lineage, all of them are more character-driven than this one. And, uh, and again, this is this is that's a bit of an extreme. Like uh, uh, Digital Devil Saga, which is you know a game that I love, really really centers on these uh, on the six main characters that, yes. it, that are introduced at the beginning, and um, and there's a lot of character growth and uh, and, a, and character journeys to go on on those main six. And the Persona games are so character driven that like a a lot of the gameplay is, is sort of choosing which characters to interact with and and which character paths you develop the most with its whole uh, system of 20 or more social links and, uh, and, and uh, character numbers in the dozens. And, and uh, the Persona games are extremely character driven, even the ones before Nocturne, Mm -hmm. which are sort of highlights of that series. But, we're going to play round one of a game called uh, this called Nocturne reminds me of, (laughs) and uh, Nocturne reminds me of, and again, I know both of you have played these. So I, I, I please tell me if I'm crazy or not. This reminds me of a RPG for the NES because it's not character driven or even plot driven the way that uh, say a final fantasy game from four onward is, or a dragon quest game from seven or so onward is Uh, like, a Dragon Quest III. Uh, Nocturne drops you a mostly blank slate of a character into a world, and you navigate the game's story by exploring the world, hearing, uh, talking to NPCs, exploring different corners of the world, and then, and, and then navigating through the plot, not because of um major world shaping events happening every few hours but by you just encountering an uh, more of your environment it's it's not character driven or plot driven but environment driven to me and 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 that reminds me a little bit of being dropped into Dragon Quest 3 and then and then boom uh, bada bing bada boom you got to find six orbs
1: i think that's fair um and i think that like one of the other things that strikes me about this game one of the things that i think sometimes for me personally makes it difficult to like play for long periods of time is like that sense of danger um like i know every time i walk into a fight that, like someone can like use an instant death death spell on me and like my main character is going to drop and like i'm just dead um and that can sometimes be frustrating to me personally but it also gives it to kind of go along with your nes thing and i agree with everything else you said there in terms of it feeling like a blank slate and all those other things but it also feels dangerous like it's like they the game that I can think of the most were like, there are maybe like three screens I've been on, that there aren't random encounters. <laughs> um And like, the, like, it's just like a constant sense of something is always there. And it reminds me of the way that I felt when I was playing, like, I don't know, Dragon Warrior 2 is the one that really makes me think of on that front. Like I could just like die at any moment. Like I'm gonna get wiped out, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, that's actually, I, I hadn't thought about that comparison, but I think it's a really fair one. Like in terms of, What drives this game is like sort of larger philosophical issues like we were talking about earlier with the idea of reason, but also the idea of like it being environment driven. And I think part of that environment is the feeling of consistent danger um, whenever you're moving around.
2: And I think that's part of what makes... Shin Megami Tensei such an enduring unique series because it does definitely have those edges of, you know, NES style you are exploring and the things that you find while exploring are what are driving, you know, plot and activity forward, not necessarily actual events happening. Um, but that the philosophical undertone and the fact that these environments are also built on the backs of the people living in them. You know, you go into the, the sewer with the mannequins um, and you see how they're being treated and you see like the existential crisis that that goes through this entire race of people made for um you know for this new world uh and and i think it's it's that edge that You know, it brings that danger, not just, you know, in in gameplay, but also like story-wise, that makes it feel slightly elevated above like a standard, okay, let's go explore adventure, but into the world of like, yes, this does clearly have things to say, Uh, I need to like pay attention to do them, but it's not going to have any characters to help pull me to that point, which makes it a lot harder to get into. And it's why, you know, this is an enduring series, but... The main line, at least, is always going to be more niche than something like Persona that can appeal to, you know, Persona exists in a world where Final Fantasy existed and continue to progress. Shin Megami Tensei pretends that those evolutions never happened um, and does not care uh, at all about crafting a character. Um, it wants you to, to follow its uh, morality
1: play. Yeah, and I think that um, one of the things that I appreciate about it is like you in order to really progress in this game effectively, like you have to talk to the NPCs. Yes. Um, and like, that feels like part of that environmental story and telling to me too. Like it, I guess this game doesn't have a story. This game has a story. And I think the story is actually very compelling, even if it goes, even if it moves at a very, very slow pace because of just how much time you spend in dungeons. Um, but it definitely gives it um, a particular feeling that I can't, really point to another game that does cause I haven't played another SMT game. Um, like persona definitely doesn't feel like this, not even as yes. Sen. sin. Um, it, it feels very particular. Um, and I, I admire it for that. Maybe I don't love it for that, but I admire it for that.
2: Yeah, It's not a series that wants to meet you halfway. It wants you to come to it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, uh... I I'm going to be comparing Nocturne to various other games basically for all, for both of these podcasts which is not something that I love doing uh, but uh, it's going to happen anyway. Um like Nocturne almost feels like it's about loneliness to me because you you are yes. you are alone in this uh in this harsh new reality uh maybe especially if you uh, know Tokyo well that the surroundings might seem familiar to you in part but they but they've been ripped asunder and uh, and there, there aren't there isn't any there aren't any humans left to to even like feel a closeness to. Well, well, Persona games are about the human experience and about social interaction to a degree because again they're all they're all you know at least connected to a high school experience because that's the closest thing to a universal social experience that that uh, that most people have is is you know is attending school with your peers and it's and like Persona is about a, is a game about making connections with your peers. Well, this is a game about being alone in a in an unforgiving world and surviving and and uh but and there are other humans i think we've mentioned all of them but yeah. your dri- your driving philosophy is more important than any human character in this game which is different and uh but but again, again the game is largely populated by demons but they still uh, it's it's unclear exactly what kind of time skip occurs at the conception because they, there is definitely some time passing in between the uh, event of the apocalypse and you waking up in the hospital basement. Because these uh, these civilizations of uh, of of, of demons don't spring up overnight. Like uh, like I, I don't, I don't think Nyx and Loki started hanging out that bar twenty four hours after the after the world ends. It's 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 not really. Uh, is it? Do they ever tell you how much time passed when you when you awaken? I
1: don't recall it. I uh, have- I, I'm a little over halfway, and they haven't said boo about that. If
2: I recall correctly, the space is kind of intentionally left blank uh, and almost like metaphysical in that you know these demons ex- clearly existed before um, the conception, and like there's some carryover, some bleed between what they were before the conception and how they live now. Um,
0: yeah, that they, almost they,
2: has to be implied.
0: Yeah, there was an extra-dimensional space, and uh, they existed in human belief systems and mythologies because of a you know, because of a spiritual connection to that space, but we're, we're never made manifest into the human world until now. So it, it, like some time passed, but it's not clear exactly how much, or maybe no time passed, but, but time did pass. It's, it's, it, it, it's, we're, we're, we're getting into some, uh in, into some nonsense physics trying to figure out that time skip, but it, it, there is some time passing sort of. And over the course of that, like, because demons needed some kind of human presence just for just for slave labor and and maybe other tasks they created artificial humans called mannequins which are you know human enough for you to believe they maybe were once human but different enough to make you like feel extremely bad for their uh like for their existence which it seems some of them wish for death it's a uh, it, it it's depressing finding that mannequin colony in the sewer and, uh, uh, and, and, and learning of their plight. And then when you go to the, uh, to, to the mantra base, not long after, like seeing mannequins around clearly living a life of abuse and hard labor makes you, makes you realize, Oh, okay, maybe, maybe it's good that I woke as a human with superpowers and not, and not just as a, as a level one, uh, as a level one, nobody. But, uh, you aren't exactly a level one nobody because you, you meet a mysterious boy and mysterious woman and a mysterious old man that might be the same as the woman. I'm not totally sure on all of that, that make it clear right at the get at right at the event of the conception that you are special and you have, and you have uh, strength to fight the demons and sort of powers that let you to negotiate and control these demons, which gets to round two of the, this game reminds me of uh, uh, uh excuse me this game reminds me of game, and that is pokemon not for not for obvious reasons of you know recruiting and uh and 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 putting forth a starting lineup but uh ninety nine percent of the enemies in this game are things that you can recruit and add to your team eventually just like how in a pokemon game your entire party is pokemon and 100 of your enemies are pokemon the same is true of nocturne with the exception of you yourself because i don't think you fight yourself at any point and maybe some special boss fights that don't eventually become recruitable demons but largely everything you see and fight in this game is something that can become part of your party not terribly long after fighting them and that I don't know that that creates a sort of a, a, a oneness, a, a, a continuity that I think is really fun and getting to know the demons of this world and recruiting them and fusing with them and playing around with the whole demon negotiation system and, and, and having your party, like you can fuse your entire party into one demon and then recruit yourself back up to a full party of eight and then fuse them to make them stronger again with a, uh, without a huge time investment, like, like it's, um, the grind of this game is navigating dungeons that can be kind of long and challenging, but also building your team of, and, and like constantly evolving your team of demons through sometimes a Pokemon-like evolution, and sometimes through a more Persona-like, uh, fusion system that makes it, a it's, it, it's, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun level of RPG tinkering, and I always enjoy some level of RPG tinkering. So, uh, what, what kind of adventures have you guys had, uh, with, with demon negotiation, recruitment, and fusion?
2: Well, I'm glad you brought up evolution, uh, cause this is an interesting one in that it's the first mainline certain, certainly there might have been one or two spinoffs, but the first mainline Shin Megami Tensei where demons can evolve. And I feel like that, you know, in, in reviews at the time when this was released really drove home the Pokemon comparison to people. Um, you get a little bit more attached and then you still help, ha- but you still have to fuse them to, to pass the more daunting challenges sitting in front of you. Um, so it's this weird give and take of you get really attached to, to one of these demons, you, you work so hard to catch one, it, you know, it evolves, you, you give it the right abilities, but eventually it's going up on that altar because you're not going to be able to fight Matador unless you have something that has the right resistances. Um, so it really did bring bring elements that people were familiar with in America and Pokemon to, you know, the more traditional Shin Megami Tensei that was nigh unheard of um, in the West.
0: And also they don't really give you a Pokemon-like tutorial on how no. all of it works. At the beginning, Uh, most of it has to be discovered for yourself or if you're like me and I I hope you don't mind me saying probably like both of you. There are (laughs) large numbers of there's a large amount of Internet resources that you can indulge in to 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 look up the, you know, the the finer points of demon recruitment and uh, and evolution. But um, but the game does give you some teaching moments to help with this. Like uh, you recruit a pixie very, very early in the game at I think level four or five and then pixie can evolve into high pixie. At, I think, level 10. So, you get a low level demon and see it evolve very, very soon. And that, you know, will at least tell the player, hey, you, uh, demons can level up and evolve, and you want to evolve demons if you can. Which led to me, you know, uh, ch- consulting a list, seeing that Inugami evolves into Makami. So, with the moment I got an Inugami, I decided, you know what, homeboy, you are staying with me until you evolve. Because this, because. Because this seems pretty good. And sure enough, um, uh, a, a couple evolving demons have been among the mainstays of my party, yes. including I, yeah. I think uh, I think Mikami is my highest level demon right now. Mikami's right? a boss. Yeah. I mean, I'm <laughs> at level 40 and I still have a Mikami in my party. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like this Mikami a lot, so that's, uh, that's somewhat comforting to me. Because, uh, again, my, uh, my uh, main character is only level 21 right now. You but know what's... It, uh, but again, this game does not do a lot to explain things to you, but it gives you tools to learn how everything works. And uh, we mentioned that Matador is a really challenging boss fight for when you meet it. I uh, I knew that Matador was going to be a hard boss fight. I was level 15 when I tried to fight it. It went very poorly but then i noticed that uh the my um demon that did the best in battle by far was my Nozuchi, which was level uh which i think was also level 15 and uh, but it had drained wind so it it lasted against matador's wind attacks or i should say force attacks very very well so that uh got me to look up what some of the future demons i could um i could fuse were i saw that there were two really good ones at level 17 18 that had wind resistance so I, I grinded up to level 18, fused the necessary demons, challenged Matador again, and, uh, and, and won on my second attempt. But, and also, Matador uses speed boosting uh, very, very liberally with a, uh, an attack that boosts its speed by four levels right when you start battle. And that was a teaching moment, uh, again, to try and tell players, hey, stat boosting in this game is very effective, and there are stat boosting and stat lowering skills everywhere, so you probably have a bunch of them already without trying, uh, which I which I did. And and uh, you know, keeping Matador's speed down and my character's attack and speed up was was key to me eventually beating him. And uh, so, yeah, like the game doesn't tell you that your demons can not evolve and you should always be fusing demons, and that stat boosting and stat lowering is powerful, but then it shows it to you very quickly, and it should become part of player strategy. W- without them right. explicitly telling you they, they do a better j- uh, job of explaining how good stat boosting is in this game than pokemon ever has
1: yeah i mean i think that uh it definitely taught me that fog breath is the most important ability <laughs> in the entire game very quickly um because it's like two shots of that and like even at level 40 like that usually makes bosses miss me a lot and we haven't talked about like the fact that combat is about has like the, the idea of turn order and, and a miss mm. is incredibly important because it causes you to lose a turn or your boss uh, that you're fighting to lose a turn. And like the, the stat boosting and lowering, like Warcry and Fog Breath are like I have someone in my party every time I hit a boss that has those two abilities. I, I was and... so
0: upset when when I uh, fused my Shisa, it couldn't pass on Warcry. I was. So yeah, upset, his war cry. I just crazy. wouldn't in
1: that case, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just because of how much I, I. I always have, like I know, like I have two two demons right now that have fog breath and one that has Warcry, cry, and I will never lose that ability for those <laughs> two. Um, and they will always be my party. Um, so yeah, I mean, like it, it, because it makes it very clear that you... And I think that the Matador fight is good for that. Like, I barely scraped by my first fight with Matador, but I didn't have a lot of good spells yet. I think the reason that Matador is so hard is because you haven't had the opportunity to fuse a lot of good demons yet unless you really know what you're doing. Um, and I didn't. Um, so... But it did teach me, like, hey, agility is king in this game. Um, and that has been a lesson that I've carried forward because I feel like the game actually teaches you how to play it reasonably well, except for that fight. But that fight then ultimately teaches you how to play the rest of the game. Cause you need to learn the lessons from that fight to clear the rest of the fights as you go forward. I think
2: that's what's fascinated me the most about this playthrough versus, you know, 10 plus years ago is for this game has rightfully uh, to some degree, a big reputation for being really difficult and really hard to parse out. But it also does an amazing job of teaching you how to play it just by its sheer systems alone. The the press turn system where you're rewarded with extra turns for hitting weaknesses. You know, this game came out in a time when elemental weaknesses weren't that important in most RPGs. Um, Well, okay. You know, we kind of take it for granted. I
0: wouldn't say that. Like elemental weaknesses have been important for a while, but. But, but I yeah, I think it's yeah. not a
2: common, like, it's not, you know, there are so many games where you can just spam your strongest attacks and or, you know, go full physical and succeed to some degree or another. Um, this is one of the few games where, like, yeah, elemental weaknesses are important in a lot of RPGs, but there are a few where, there were few at the at the time where it was absolutely necessary. Like, you yeah. could not succeed without them.
1: It's the difference it's between living and dying,
2: especially would, in, like, big game I would still game call monsters. it in-
0: I would still call that an overgeneralization, but uh, but definitely um, this is not a game that you can brute force, and uh, and 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 managing elemental weaknesses and uh, is is very important. Again, going into how the press turn system works you gain extra turns for hitting enemies with their weaknesses or by scoring critical hits and then you lose a turn completely not not just the one pl- character's turn but also a future turn if you ever miss so uh, as zach mentioned agility is incredibly important because missing is is uh is is uh i, I should you should say you know like 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 doubly a, a double penalty and not just a single penalty and like wes said um uh, hitting elemental weaknesses is super key, not only for dealing extra damage, but for generating extra turns. Uh, the press turn system returns almost in its entirety in Digital Devil Saga, and I think also in Rido, in the Rido Kuzunoha games. While in Persona, it's replaced by a system that uh, does grant extra turns from the critical hits and weakness hitting, but in the, instead of having the unforgiving turn skipping it just gives you a uh an all out attack if you're able to to knock down the entire enemy field with uh, uh with with elemental weaknesses which is a little bit less punishing but still quite rewarding uh um evolution of the press turn system but this version is very unforgiving and uh, and I I should mention that I hit a bit of a wall in this game uh not at the matador boss fight but considerably earlier when i think i was looking for the 1000 yen bill that's a little uh which is sort of like the thing you have to do in the story before matador i explored way too way too far and died on the highway overpass to a bunch of angels casting mahamon and uh and and in this game if your main character dies you get in the game over which i uh discovered very randomly and unpleasantly uh losing about uh probably a little over an hour maybe 90 minutes of progress. And then when I tried to start up the game again, making sure to avoid that area, when I was s- scrolling through my and my uh my my demon skills, I accidentally dismissed one of the demons in my party in the middle of of battle, which means you lose it permanently. It, so like it, it's way too easy to accidentally permanently remove something from your party and that made me upset and I restarted again and didn't play the game for like three days because (laughs) because of that awkwardly placed mechanic um but yeah yeah, this game is is unforgiving it's um uh like like there's no auto saving um it's and I'm torn between uh being you know like hey I've been playing RPGs for years I should know better than to than than to make these mistakes and, and save more frequently and also I, I don't know. I, I wish this game had a f- like a few more modern amenities so that it was a little bit less easy to completely screw your screw yourself up.
2: I I, I know this is a bit a uh, bit rewinding, but I, I kind of want to go back because you know, aside from whether or not elemental weaknesses you know were a big thing before this, the the one thing that I, I think is interesting about this combat system and and how it teaches you to play is that um, it's it's not just rewarding you with you know uh additional damage and it's not just rewarding you with those extra turns. It's giving you UI elements that that really drive home the fact that like when you hit a weakness, you know it, not just by larger numbers, but it'll straight up tell you it'll give you that extra turn.
0: Yeah.
2: Um and, and the same thing that it grants you um you know when you get a miss and you see a couple of their turn orders disappear and you know when when someone does something to like increase the number of turns the, that that they have, which which bosses will do from time to time. All of it drives home the importance of all of the mechanics that you need to know: hitting weaknesses, using buffs, like all of that comes through in the actual combat system itself. So while it is absolutely like this, as you said, this punishing um, game that that won't let up, and and you have to find the right answer, it gives you the tools to find the right answer for any given fight. Um, which is kind of fascinating because there is there is an answer, and the answer is rarely, if ever, grinding, uh, unless that grinding is to get you to a point where you can fuse the right demon. You you need the right yeah, tool yeah. set for any given fight, and that's uh, that's pretty much the entirety of your prep needed.
0: But yeah, but this is not a game you can brute force, and enemies follow uh, most, if not all, of the same rules you have to follow about turn order and uh, and and hitting weaknesses and avoiding misses. Uh, they, they they can you know break the rules occasionally by giving themselves extra turns with uh soup, with special moves that the player can't access but in 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 general this rule set is something that everyone has to follow and the player can exploit them or, uh, or maybe exploit is a stronger word the, the player can succeed by uh by by maximizing uh by by maximizing these rules and instead of just instead of just you know getting by with whatever
1: yeah. And one thing we haven't talked about yet. Um, and I, I, I absolutely, I, I think that that's what, like, despite the fact that this game, like, is so, um, oppressive is the way that I would describe it. Like, I feel like, like, it, it just feels like I'm, like, moving through it, like, in a way that, like, the game is, like, working against me. Um, it, it because of the way that the combat works, it makes it move quicker. And I love good turn-based combat. And, like, it, if you describe, like, the perfect game to me, it would be this game, but, Sometimes, like, I'm like, oh, gosh, I just, like, I want to go, like, see, like, some, some sunlight or something. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, But this, this one things we haven't mentioned... Bleak. Go ahead.
0: It, I was just saying, this is a bleak video game, straight up.
1: Yes, it, it is. Uh, but one of the things we haven't mentioned that I think is interesting is the ability to change your demon as well uh, with those Makatamas. Mm-hmm. Um, changing stats, but probably most importantly, changing what your weaknesses are. Um I think is a really, really cool thing and like there have been a couple times that I have gone into a fight and like I have been like just like pulverized <laughs> um and I'm like, oh, so like I need to have like strength against ice um and I like that it again, and I think it just goes back to everything that you're both saying like um it gives you the tools to deal with it even in like your character and I can't think of a game and I could be just missing something that allows you with the ease this, this game does to adjust sort of what the strengths and weaknesses of your main character are like I know like I I read at some point like make your main character have a physical build so I'm doing that like they have no like right now they have like stat boosts And I know that eventually those will go away Um but like otherwise it's physical skills and like my demons are the ones like I try to have some variety with like I know that I can adjust to uh, a, a demon that, like, is going to hit me with ice spells and I can hit them with fire to, like, you know, hit their weaknesses and take them down in two turns. Um, And that's, like, incredibly satisfying Um, that it gives you so many tools to work with. And demon fusing isn't punishing either. Like, you have the ability to, like, if you have the money, you can go, like, summon a demon you've already called before, which is really cool. But um, I know that other games do that later, but it feels so much more important here than it does, yeah. like, even in Persona oh. 2, Enos, and Sin.
2: A lot of these I, I, staples were were very much foundationally put together here. Like even the ones that weren't, you know, made here were, were kind of modernized in Nocturne um, that persisted throughout the rest of the Shin Megami Tensei games and spin-offs, including Persona.
0: Yeah, I wish they introduced the compendium a little bit earlier in this game. Yes. But uh but it, it's still a very cool tool for um managing your party and managing fusions. And and the and, and you're only really limited by Money and items for building up your party again. It's it's not that it's not that hard to go out and and recruit some more demons. Even though they'll demand to drain your HP or give them money or items, it's it's a good thing that life Stones are easy to combine in this game. Otherwise, I would. Be, <laughs> yeah, that <I'd be, laughs> is the truth. Yeah, can, I'm like I, can, I'm. All, can we talk I'm about how much game. I
1: hate demon negotiation here? <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I'm okay I, with it, this.
0: It's. it's 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 a little too random and I have thrown away money unnecessarily for demons only to decide they don't want to hang out anymore like a, a few <laughs> too many times yeah. but it's I'm, I'm glad that it's a it's something a little bit more complicated than throwing a pokeball at least uh and <laughs> and also there's one other thing we mentioned that um over this world there's sort of a uh an artificial sun called Kagatsuchi which is which is again a a, a Japanese fire god um that is uh, that sort of manages everything and, and uh the phase of Kagatsuchi changes every several seconds, and if Kagatsuchi is at a you know a full gibbous, then uh demons uh behave more wildly and the encounter rate is higher and if it's a and if the Kagatsuchi is in a is in a a, a full you know new moon or eclipse state then the encounter rates way down and some demons will can only be recruited if if it's uh, if it's if the kagatsuji is near full some can only be recruited if it's almost new uh, you can only do your special uh, three uh, like triple fusion technique at the uh, um at, at, at the at the at the fusion cathedral zone. I forget what is it Was it the Shadow Cathedral? The Shadow Temple? Yeah, yeah Cathedral of really shadows. shadows. That's what it is, yeah. You can only do your triple fusion at the Cathedral of Shadows if it's a full Kagatsuchi. Like, it's, uh, like, like, managing the, um, the, 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 the waxing, waning state of the game's sun is a, is a major factor in, in, uh, in what you can do. There's a lot of systems in place with enough breadcrumbs for the player to figure things out that it's, it, it it's, it stands out as really good rpg design here like this is a minimalist narrative with some some like maximalist mechanics in this game and again (laughs) there's no weapon or armor system but the magatama system that you know can dictate your elemental strengths and weaknesses and your skill set and uh and special passive abilities is really fun and powerful and finding a new magatama Again, it's it's uncommon because I think there's probably only twenty or twenty five of these in the whole game. Uh, is like getting a new magatama feels so awesome because you know how effective magatama are, and mm-hmm. and getting a new one can completely change the nature of your main character. It's a uh, th- th- there's so much good in this game, even if I, I don't want to say it has a weak narrative. It has a narrative that is not character driven, and as such, feels a little bit more empty and lonely than a lot of RP- than most RPGs that I'm used to playing.
2: It's almost impenetrable comparatively to to a lot of more, you know, narrative and character driven RPGs. Uh, it's it doesn't want to let you in. You you have to try to be let in.
0: You have to work a little. Uh, this this isn't a very friendly dog that immediately wants cuddles. This is a somewhat aloof <laughs> cat that will not give you those cuddles until you trust it a little bit and feed it and and, and put some time <laughs> into it.
2: That that extends into the the mechanics a little bit too. You know, you ta- you both talked about how. Um, troublesome negotiation can be, which is absolutely true to the point of it, you know, one could consider it unfair. Um, and it's I, and <laughs> I feel like that's. <laughs> For good or ill, that's intentional. You know, that's that's driving home kind of the hopeless situation that you're in within the game world. And, uh, you know, you, you can make excuses for that. You can also just say, oh, it's frustrating as hell, <laughs> which I think is 100% valid. Um, but it feels, you know, very deliberately frustrating as hell, very intentionally wanting to to give you that frustration.
0: Yeah, there are roadblocks and specific points of this game where the designers are forcing players like 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 here you need to grind a little bit more here you need to have this kind of party to proceed here uh you're gonna have to make a hard choice that will maybe shape the end game this is a game that has you know it, it, it has consequences it's not super difficult but it's unforgiving and makes the player learn which is a very powerful feeling when you do succeed again uh, we're gonna play uh, round three of i think this game is like this other game uh It's it's a little bit Soulsian in that um, knew it was coming. (laughs) Yeah, it has a reputation for difficulty, but really, it's it's not a hard game. It's a game that you know requires some mastery, but it's not. But like if you follow the rules and learn the rules, you you'll get there. Like this is. A really interesting minimalist RPG with maximalist mechanics, which is my impression only about 10 hours in, because I know I have a long way to go. It's Again, my main character is level, I think, 21, and I was given the impression that you should be fighting the final boss in the level 75 to 80 range, so I have a while to go.
1: I mean, it's, it's funny that you bring up the Dark Souls thing, because... Uh... I would agree with you if I was good at action games. <laughs> I have, I have okay, really I had good <laughs> reflexes. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with you.
0: <laughs> I, I have not played uh, any souls game to a level that where I can say I've played it. I, I've tried out the first few hours of, of two of them, which definitely doesn't count, but I have put, put so many hours into monster Hunter that I know that I, I think, I feel like I know yeah. a thing or two about games that are, that only seem challenging until you understand them better. And, and, and that's, Even though Nocturne is turn-based, that's the feeling I get. Like, this is not a brutally hard game. This is an unforgiving game that forces the player to learn.
2: I think the difference between something like this or something like Dark Souls or something like Monster Hunter and other games uh, that, that you could consider difficult but in a more frustrating way is just the fact that it's deliberate. It's anytime you run into a roadblock in nocturne here, you feel like they put that roadblock there on purpose. It's never like, Oh, they clearly didn't think this through hard enough. And the balance here is off. It's, Oh, this is a challenge that I need to overcome, but there is a solution to it. And I think that's why people like souls games to a degree, like where, why they like the challenge of souls games or almost any challenging game is they want there to be some element of fairness of, of, you know, the, 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 the designers thinking it through, um, putting it there intentionally.
0: I, I mean I, I totally agree with that, but I still think they made a balanced miscalculation with Matador. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> just, yeah,
0: that's Yeah. Like he feels just a little too hard for where he's placed in the game. And uh, and Matador yes. wasn't in wasn't in the original uh Nocturne. He was only added for the uh director's cut Maniacs version. Um, which, so it which feels even know. more so out of place. Yeah, exactly. Which, which maybe I mentioned that in the in uh, earlier. I'm not, I don't remember if I did or, or if we discussed it um, before recording. But uh, that that whole um, uh, like a candelabrum or is, is it uh, uh, or menorah side quest. Menorahs of, now. Uh, yeah, the Menorahs <laughs> now. Right. Okay. The uh, that whole side quest of uh, of, of fighting these um, these skeletal riders for their Menorahs and getting further in the labyrinth of Amala was added for uh, to the director's cut of the game, which is part of why those bosses maybe feel a little too difficult for where you can encounter them earliest. Although I think the only really mandatory one is Matador, I think? Yes. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want to get the true ending, you have to go through and
0: yeah, no, kill like all seven, of them eight, and then eight, also... also... Or
1: the true demon ending, or whatever you call it. I don't know. I, I haven't gotten there yet, so I don't know if I'm going to do it. It's, but. it's the closest thing to
2: a good ending uh, that a Shin Megami Tensei game comes with.
0: Um. Right. I, I know I, <laughs> most Shin Megami Tensei games have a a law ending, a chaos ending, and then some kind of neutral ending. Yeah. Nocturne has uh, has three endings based on alignment, then a neutral ending, which is good ish. Then a true demon ending, which is uh, basically walking uh, down the neutral ending path, but also completing this uh, this optional challenge. And then maybe there's also a sixth one that I'm not remembering. There's, there's I, I a doubt. bad
2: end up in there, too. Oh,
0: okay, there's a bad one. <laughs> Essentially. Um, I, 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 and I didn't do full, full research. I just noticed that there were multiple ones, and... Uh, most of those are based on those reasons or philosophies that you have to that you adopt as you play the game but we are not close to talking about any of those yet we uh we are are still barely exploring post apocalyptic Tokyo that is somehow folded in into itself so the entire world is Tokyo you know a part of the apocalypse that we glossed over a little bit uh and there's um and even though this is not a game with a lot of named characters or human characters there are some that we still haven't met i don't really know what happened to our teacher after all of this? I assume she's with Hikawa, but i uh, I have not, um, in I have not uh, gone through that very conspicuous Nihilo building yet. Um, <laughs> uh, it I don't know for sure yet
1: either, and I'm well past that. So, right, yeah.
0: okay. I, I know it's coming, but I have not reached. The You'll be yet.
1: getting hints, but
2: yeah, it'll be a bit.
0: Yeah, this is again. This is like playing a Dragon Quest game on the NES. You have really got to talk to everybody to find the one or two rumors that are key to finding the next thing. Um, it, it took me a little too long because I was stubbornly trying to avoid using a guide to figure out there was a back entrance to the room where, where Loki had a, uh, had a, oh, yeah. had a thousand yen bills. <laughs> like, oh, I have to go to a hidden back room. Great.
1: I, fa- just... I found it. And then like, took me a long time to figure out how to get him to walk away. Yeah, you have to hit the right <laughs> trigger for <Yep. laughs> for
2: you, you, it you, to be.
0: Yeah. You have well, to take
1: f- event triggers as any yeah. as hell. You have yes. to hit the
0: exact event flag. I think, um, probably by talking to some mannequins before getting there. Maybe. Yep. Uh, I believe that's the one, right?
2: Uh, one specific mannequin in the bottom level of. Sorry, this is too too fresh for me. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. This is the mannequins remind me of a much sadder version of like Morlocks from the old uh, from X Men comics. It's <laughs> it, like, so, like 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 there is so much that's dark and depressing about this game. That's but also so fascinating and empowering about the mechanics of this game that it's a very deliberate grind with a very you know, uh, they are not trying to tell you a story that 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 goes plot point by plot point. They're trying to have you like master like master these video game mechanics and and play the game instead of just hear the story. It's I, 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 again, if if I was just, I I, I think this is a game that I, I don't watch a lot of let's plays, but this is a game that I would hate watching a let's play of because when i'm watching someone play a video game the rewards are uh are, are, are story moments or um or like really really uh, like flashy set pieces and this game doesn't really have either of those things <laughs> no. so it's it's a different vibe of rpg but it's a popular one because you know the smt fans are out there And RPG Fan has been mockingly called SMT Fan before because, uh, especially (laughs) during the 2000s, um, RPG Fan looked extremely favorably upon uh smt and persona games and those ilk when uh, as they were coming out and we were reviewing them although the three of us all joined rpg fan after uh after 2010
1: i think koseki fan is a more accurate accusation yeah you know in the the 2010s (laughs) i I,
0: I would say it's smt fan in the 2000s and koseki fan in the 2010s i i I think that is extremely (laughs) fair uh in 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 the 2020s let's make this dqxi fan I, that, that's my, I'm,
2: I'm here for I'm, it. I'm in.
0: All right. Well, I knew I assembled the right panel for this episode. Yeah, you got the <laughs> right crew.
2: So, you know, what's, what's interesting is, you know, you, you, we talked about those, those story points that are kind of lacking, but I'm having a lot of like outside of the game. Stories growing from this. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, uh, for
0: emergent abrig- narratives from gameplay. Yes, oh, yeah.
2: mm-hmm. and the biggest one that, that came for me, I, I was playing this uh, downstairs. I've got a, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old running around, so I have to, you know, be cautious about where I play M-rated games. This is less objectionable than a lot of them for like ninety percent of the time you're playing, but. Uh, I I was playing in the mannequin sewer dwelling uh, when my seven-year-old daughter came down. And I was like, okay, there's nothing objectionable here. I can find a save point before I quit. And she was watching. And then I went and talked to one of those mannequins. And for those, you know, listening along at home that haven't played this game yet, all of the mannequins look very human, but their eyes are a little bit distant. Mm -hmm. They're all wearing the same clothes. And every once in a while, as part of their idle animation, they just twitch, like really unsettlingly, um, just do this really odd, you know, halfway through a breath, ragged twitch uh, and my daughter came down and seemed perfectly fine, was interested in what I was doing. I went and talked to one of those mannequins. It zoomed in. They did the twitch. And I have never seen my daughter bolt out of the basement quicker. Just like, nope, not having any of this. Oh,
1: wow. They <laughs> are a horror movie.
2: Yeah, just,
0: <laughs> my, my seven-year-old and my five-year-old are my names for my 3DS and PS4. <laughs> which, which gives you, uh, which, which, gives you some I- some I- which gives you some idea of my lifestyle. The past. Also, that might be the best joke you've ever told I, I well appreciate done. that. One. <laughs> All right. Well. Okay. If I if I am somehow comparing my. uh my, <laughs> more, my let's say intermediate age consoles to actual children, it is definitely time to end the episode <laughs> um, uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us on part one of this discussion on Megami Tensei 3 slash Nocturne I guarantee you that we will get more into end game story discussion and, uh, and, and more into these characters that, that I've barely met in my 10 hours of playing the game in part two, but part two is not coming next week Uh, Listeners, if you understand the concept of integers, you probably realize that after episode 299 comes episode 300. Episode 300 (laughs) is not going to be Nocturne Part 2. It is going to be a special uh, boutique episode because we do something special and weird every 50 episodes. And Retro Encounter episode 300 is no exception. I will not tell you exactly what we do in it, but I will tell you it is called Retro Encounter Battle Royale. Please look forward to it. But after that battle royale, we are going to do part two as episode three hundred and one. We have not recorded it yet for very obvious reasons. And then after <laughs> uh, after more nocturne, we are going to have an episode all about the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Um, me and a few others, an RPG fan, are big Ace Attorney fans and are chomping at the bit to talk about uh, the recent the recent. let's say, worldwide release of the great Ace Attorney games, which originally were for 3DS, but are now for a whole bunch of consoles and available everywhere. I am... Probably, uh, it's a a collection of two games. I am probably a little bit past halfway on the first one, but it is already so good that I cannot wait to talk about it. That is going to come in the first week of December. The rest of December is going to be pretty exciting. We are doing two episodes on Persona 2 Eternal Punishment, a game that we inadvertently mentioned earlier this episode. Uh, And we're also going to do another Persona episode that month that has not assembled yet, so I don't want to talk about it, but there's going to be plenty of Persona in September. I also have been writing oh. quiz questions, listeners. Oh, no. Yes. So oh, no. We are going to do another quiz show episode. I think it will be December. I'm sorry. I think it will be September. But if I can't write all 60 questions in time, it might get delayed. So, I us hope I get to
1: round two this time. <laughs> <laughs> Believe in you. <laughs> I don't.
0: <laughs> so, listeners, coming up on Retro Encounter, we have episode 300, more SMT3, then Great Ace Attorney, then a whole bunch of Persona. Then uh, some quiz shows, and that is all I am prepared to share at this time. But listeners, if you have something that you want to share with us, you can email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also comment on our message boards, visit our Facebook page, our Instagram, our Twitter, our Discord server, our YouTube channel, our Twitch channel, something streaming every day on Twitch more stuff going up in all of those venues every day please interact with rpg fan however you choose we also have three other podcasts random encounter every two weeks mostly about randomness rhythm encounter every two weeks mostly about rpg music and phoenix edge usually every week mostly focused on current events you can review retro encounter or all three of those others on apple podcasts google play spotify however you're listening to us podcast addict is a popular one i uh, uh I use um, I use a, pad, a, a pod a catcher that I think draws from Apple Podcasts and Google Play. So there's there's lots of ways to listen to podcasts. Please listen to those and rate those however you choose. But if you want to re- reach us at a more individual level, let's tell the listeners how to do that. Starting with you, Zach.
1: Uh you can email me at ZachW at rpgfan.com, or you can find
0: me on Discord at Zach W. and Wes.
2: Your best bet is to hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are always open at Wes Isleth.
0: And listeners, the best way to find me is also Twitter. I am at The Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times. And on RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. But uh, we have a lot of post apocalypse Tokyo left to explore. I am taking a full week off work, not to just play video games, but video games will feature heavily. And that is exactly when I'm going to finish this game. Uh, So thank you, Wes. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, listeners. Good night and good luck.